Happy Friday and welcome to the Deems List. It's our Week in Review segment, a segment that's part of the Eric Deems Show. I'm your host, the Chief, here at the Eric Deems Show, Eric Deems. As always, you can reach us, Chief, at ericdeemshow.com, on the socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Eric Deems Show. It's March 12th. We're not too far from the Ides of March, JB. Beware the Ides of March, right? <laughs> well, if we can get there. We've made it this far, though, folks. Just think a year. A year ago, we were told it was two weeks to flatten the curve. And, uh, well, we've made it um, 52 weeks. And it looks like the curve has more than flattened. It's gone way down. So kudos to us for enduring all of the authoritarian tyranny over the last year. Uh, but nonetheless, more and more of that will continue to come out. What are we talking about this week? Uh, what's happening at the Biden White House? Did y'all watch his primetime address last night after signing the $1.9 trillion friends and family bailout that he passed for his, he and his Democratic colleagues? Less than 10%, of course, going to COVID relief. Uh, as the bill would suggest. But um, anyway, what's happening over there? We're going to talk about that, how he can't seem to remember the names of the folks he's put in office. And poor dogs, they've been kicked out. Trump and the RNC continue to go back and forth. Not good. Andy Cuomo, yes, the darling of the left who's now been thrown under the bus. As we talked about earlier this week, there are episodes on distractions. Andy Cuomo has to be another Democrat pervert, right? Well, he's not the only Democrat that is having issues, and I don't know that the distractions will... Uh, I don't think the distractions are going to work for some of these other folks. Matt Palumbo has a piece out, Dumb and Dumber. Actually, it's a book he wrote, Dumb and Dumber, uh, talking about uh, Bill de Blasio and Andy Cuomo. It's worth your attention. And... You know, when the folks on the right say they're coming for your guns and, you know, we're, we're told, oh, no, that's not going to happen. It can't happen. Have you not read the Constitution? It's protected. Second Amendment. Well, uh, the House has passed yet another bill similar to the one they passed back in 19. We'll talk about it. So let's go back to uh, Biden White House. What's it? Did you watch the speech last night? I mean, I will I will give the president this. He always has a nice pocket square when he's doing these important things. It looked good. looked nice. I'm okay with the fact that he's not always going back and forth between red and blue ties. That gets to be a little uh, off-putting because it just seems so disingenuous. So um, good on that front. But, man, the guy just can't. This is not the Joe Biden we grew up knowing. It's not. And I'm not making fun of mental decline. What I'm saying is we shouldn't have a president with mental decline. I mean, he, he talked over himself. He, at one point he said, um, there isn't going to be some sort of miracle that's going to happen. But then just a few paragraphs later says it's because of miracles, miracles of science that this occurred. And you're like, man, all right. We know you're going to talk out of both sides of your mouth. We just didn't expect it to be in the same speech. Also, where are the press conferences? This president has gone longer. Listen to this. 
Joe Biden, President Biden, has gone longer than any other president in the last hundred years, in the last century, without doing a press conference. Donald Trump waited 28 days. Obama waited 21. Bush waited 34. Biden has gone over 50 days now without having a press conference. And you've seen him, right? You've seen him when he's with the press. He gives a speech. He gives a, a remarks, some sort of a, a prompter telling him what to say or somebody prompting him. And we've heard some of those, uh, you know, <laughs> picking up the voice, a salute, you know. That's that that's concerning. Salute the Marine. Okay, gotta salute. Um, stop here. And you're just wondering. I don't think that uh, President Trump, despite being pretty similar in age, had this much um, handling, might you say. And so then you're wondering, well, who's doing all the handling? Why are they not wanting the press people to ask the president questions directly? I mean, Trump would stop at the press pool. Nearly every time he's walking out to Marine One. But no, Trump was the bad guy. Trump was the guy that had things to hide. I mean, I remember within the 28 days before he had his first press conference, and, and the media was constantly, what are they hiding? They're lying about the inauguration crowds. What else are they going to be lying about? We can't call him out. We can't have direct dialogue with the president. This is dangerous for democracy. Well, it's not dangerous anymore. No, because their guy's in. <laughs> if that doesn't tell you everything you need to know about how partisan the mainstream media has become, then you truly are living under a rock. Makes you wonder, though, who is doing the handling. Have you noticed that Kamala Harris, always in the background, always in the corner, can't really see what she's doing because she's got that mask on, you know. It covers nearly all of her face. Ah, uh, yes, but the vice president sitting over there, standing over there, always where where she's be. It makes you wonder if it's on-the-job training, you know. Here, follow me. You know, this is an apprenticeship. This is what you do. This is how you stand here. Nancy's going to kick me out thanks to the 25th Amendment, so... Uh, I'll be gone by summer, and, and you need to know where to stand and how to do it and you know how to ignore the press and that kind of thing. I mean, it sounds I, I know it sounds like I'm being facetious, and to some extent I am, just to prove a point, but it's pretty dangerous that we can't have a free press in the conversation there, that we can't have a free press. Uh, but then it, it's dangerous that the press can't ask the president questions. And that the, the own, their own team, I mean, he, had, he was on a conference call. Remember, you saw this. He's on the conference call, the video, after he says, and if you all have any questions for me, I'd love to take some or so, something along those lines. Uh, the feed just dies, goes straight to the White House logo. Everybody's in on it. Everybody knows. It feels like it's very much just an open secret around the White House that Biden can't be left to his own devices. Well, and he can't be left with the dogs either. I mean, you've taken his best friends out. Have you seen this? Biden's dogs are kicked out of the White House. One of them apparently bit a White House security person. Yeah. So they have been sent back to uh, Delaware, being a little too aggressive. We're not hearing much about that. We heard a lot about how Trump was not normal because he did not have a White House pet. 
I'm not going to touch that one. But he, Trump wasn't normal. Trump was a bad guy. He didn't even have a dog. Well, is this what we want? The biting of the hand that feeds you. It's kind of maybe a way to summarize the Biden administration. I mean, how much debt have they put us in? The Democrats have put us in a few trillion now. Even during the last administration, how many trillion did we go in? It's like politicians biting the hands that feed them. We feed them because we give them the job. They think they're supposed to be our parents instead of realizing that they're there to co-govern with us. And here we go. Debt upon debt upon debt. How are we going to pay for that? Oh, don't ask the questions, Eric. What are you doing? What about whenever Biden forgot his own secretary of defense and then says, oh, you know, the guy that runs that outfit over there. So he can't, he can't even remember the word Pentagon. Can't remember his own secretary of defense, who was in the room, I'm told. All while doing some virtue signaling. That's right. Choosing International Women's Day to promote two women. And the women are very qualified. I'm not saying that. And, and I'm really happy that that happened. I just think it goes to show that <laughs> politicians are just virtue signalers. Oh, look, we've got this holiday, so we've got to do this. Why can't we promote people because of who they are and how great they are, regardless of their sex, regardless of their gender, regardless of their color? That's what I think the people are tired of. And the Democrats, you would have thought it, would have learned that identity politics doesn't work. Remember Hillary? Going to Grand, was it Grand Rapids? Going to Grand Rapids and trying to make sure that the the stands behind her, you know, had all the right colors and diversity around it. Well, that's not what Grand Rapids looks like. So then you come across as somebody that's not very genuine because people know. Wait a minute, this is not real. Um, you're, you're busing in people, or you're, you're bringing your own campaign staffers with you to make it look like you are leading a group of diverse... Why don't you just lead people? People are diverse. People, that, that will be a natural byproduct of the fact that we actually have leadership, but no. Pull the wool over people's eyes, tickle their ears... And tell them what they want to, and then give them fourteen hundred dollars so that they forget that they're going to be on the hook for two trillion. My goodness, I'm concerned. Do we have a countdown clock on Biden? Do we have a countdown clock on when this is going to happen? When they're going to finally pull the plug and say, "I'm sorry, Joe, you got to go back to the basement for good now." I'm concerned. I'm equally concerned. Well. Maybe equally is a strong word. Biden is the commander-in-chief. That concerns me in big ways. So that certainly is, uh, that takes precedent here. But I am concerned about the RNC and Trump. You, heard, you saw this. The RNC committee won't comply with uh, Trump's order to stop using his name and likeness. Yep, he's back at it. He's very good at using lawyers to intimidate. And... He told the RNC to stop using his name and likeness as a former president. And uh, basically, you can't do that. You're allowed to use public figures. Um, a former president, a current president, is a public figure, obviously. You could even argue that Donald Trump, the man, was a public figure even before he became president. 
Well, Trump has come out and said, don't do this. Uh, We cannot support a party that supports, you know, that didn't even support their own president. And while he has a point there, because as you know, um, I don't believe Donald Trump should have been impeached either times. And uh, the Senate, of course, agrees. I think most, supermajority of most Americans uh, agree with that too. But this continual infighting is not going to do any good for the Republicans of the Republican cause. I'm okay with Republicans that don't like Donald Trump. Just as I'm okay with Democrats that don't like Joe Biden. Good for them. Neither do we. We like him as a man, but we're talking about um, these individuals at a political level. As politicians... Joe is what we're used to. Trump is not. Trump was more effective. He offends a lot of people. But look at what he did politically. Great things. I would say he gave a shot in the arm, no pun intended, these days, to the Republican Party. Solidified their base. Brought them together. Finally, somebody saying what the, the majority of Americans have been saying for years. America first. Secure our borders. Secure our elections. Don't let those narratives be lost just because it's Donald Trump's the mouthpiece. However, I think Donald Trump is doing harm to the Republican Party by having this kind of infighting. Because it's going to hurt Republicans down ballot from being able to get the support that they need. Keep in mind, the RNC should be supporting in general elections. They're not or they shouldn't be, supporting in primaries. That's where the the party itself, at the local level, gets to decide who's going to be there. And that should be how we root out the establishment players from coming in, taking over, and not listening to the people. It shouldn't be some institution like the RNC making those decisions. Now, the RNC has had leadership issues from as far back as I can remember inundated with rhinos, people that are in D.C. and get puffed up and love being on the Sunday morning news circuit. So they forget that Republicans, the red states, are what the other side call flyover states, and they just stay in the bubble. They stay within the D.C. metroplex. They don't leave it from studio to studio, from cocktail hour to cocktail hour. So, yeah, we need to get rid of those folks. Well, they serve a purpose, but they don't need to be leading it. What I'm trying to say is the RNC has an opportunity to be the big tent party that has Trump folks and has rhinos. And Trump is ruining that ability because I think it's ego. And I know it's hurt, and I get it. I think a lot of us are hurting, especially uh, I think a lot of Democrats are hurting. When they realized that they uh, had a bait-and-switch thing happen to them. Oh, Biden's great. He's a moderate. Well, everything that he's passing and getting through, through executive order, no less, which is problematic on so many levels. What are we doing? What are we doing? Expanding the overreach of the executive? And this isn't middle-class Joe. 
I think that's maybe why Kamala Harris is always in the corner. It's her agenda. It's the far left agenda that's being pushed. Which is all the more reason why we need a Republican Party that's strong and that's unified, even with differences. Iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friends. Diversity of opinion and thought is important, especially in a a two-party system. We've got to have it. And I'm okay with a little friction. In fact, friction is good, right? Iron sharpens iron. Friction is how that occurs. A little heat gets those edges sharper. But we need to be as sharp as we can as we go against this very well-organized and well-funded leftist regime that's coming after everything, including guns. That's right. The House have passed a, a second gun control measure, and they're disguising it as, um, well, they always want to talk. They always have to attach emotion, right? You heard in our episode on distractions, emotion is how you cloud and cover everything. And while they're, they're bringing up the, the despicable shooting that happened in Charleston a few years back, and so what they're doing is they're increasing the House passes second gun control bill, extending the amount of time a buyer must wait to get a license from three to ten days. Well, how many lives are going to be lost in that extra seven days? How many lives are going to be lost in the first three? Well, here's the thing. The Senate thankfully, still has a conscience, and they're not going to pass this stuff. But your life's in danger, and you need a weapon. You don't have time to wait. You have an estranged lover, a former lover at this point, I think is how that would be stated, right? And they're coming after you, and you feel like your life's in danger. This has occurred, by the way. This has occurred in our past, where women need to go and and arm themselves so that they feel protected, so that... um, an abuser that tries to come after them knows that uh, they're not just walking into a sitting duck. And that um, that kind of analogy applies to so many other places. Bad guys are always going to have the guns. So we're limiting the good guys from being able to have them, to protect themselves, as our Constitution affords. So this is how they're going to do it. They're not going to attack the Second Amendment directly. They're going to demonize the NRA and those of us who support using weapons. And they're going to try to frame it with some sort of emotional response using school shootings or insurrections, you know, like the ones that happened in Portland uh, with BLM and that kind of thing and um, at state capitals across the country uh, as well as the U.S. Capitol. They're going to try to attack the Second Amendment through the emotional responses that we've all had to those. Be on the lookout. And if you care about this stuff, call your elected people or run for office yourself. Let's end it with uh, the more entertaining of the stories today. Andy Cuomo. Well, the groping allegations have continued. Another woman has come forward. I think we're up to six now. And the uh, the lawyers that are have been in charge put on this, they started the website. So if you have any information, you can go there and add it anonymously. Yeah, I think it's I think he's toast. I think um, the Cuomos have maybe uh, reached the dead end uh, of the journey that they've been on, which I'm okay with, um, especially after in, in light of all the deaths uh, at his hand, the way he treated uh, the COVID crisis.
trying to come in as this paternalistic guy, right? I'm your father, father figure. We're going to make it happen. No, no, no. Remember, we got to distract. That's why he has to be another Democrat pervert. Because if, if Cuomo is a Democrat pervert, we don't, uh, we don't notice that Gretchen Whitmer. Here we go. Let's see. Michigan's Whitmer may face charges over nursing home deaths. Aha. I love when people tune into this show, especially the influential members of the media. As they've learned, Whitmer and even other Democrat governors sent infected patients to nursing homes as well. So now Andy Cuomo, the cover, the distraction, oh, he was just a pervert, let's keep the narrative moving. No, thanks to people like Janice Dean and others for keeping the narrative front and center, people are starting to ask more questions, and this is good. Government accountability is good, especially when the government is overreaching and choosing not to waste a crisis and using a crisis to expand their reach. In an unconstitutional manner, I think we will come to find so that ought to be really interesting as the governors start uh, lawyering up. Again, these aren't Republican governors. Look at the Republican states. Mask mandates lifted. Freedom is reigning once again. Economies are rebounding. New businesses are opening. It's pretty stark how it falls down the partisan lines. I'm going to leave you with one last thing here. Matt Palumbo wrote a book called Dumb and Dumber. Uh, let's see here. Dun, da, 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 da. Yeah, um, Dumb and Dumber, How Cuomo and de Blasio Ruin New York. <laughs> oh, that's an interesting one. We just started in on it, and uh, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. So we'll leave all this in the show notes, as always. Anything you want to hear about, any comments you have, any challenges you dare bring to the chief, you can do it. Chief at ericdeemshow.com or at ericdeemshow. Don't forget to go back. And listen to Distractions, our Eric Deem Show episode from earlier in this week, how we're being distracted by what's really going on. And we have quite the library now. We've been doing two episodes a week for the better part of the last six, seven months, a show that started in 2019. And now we're building up and uh, getting some systems in place so that we can bring this pragmatic prowess to tickle your ears with my dulcet tones weekly.